everybody, welcome back to War of the Worlds, the newsified game show, gamified news show, uh, where I, your capricious host, assign ludicrous amounts of points to our contestants in the hopes of winning fame and glory. Uh, fame and glory not included, it's all in your own head, of course. Uh, with me today, Melissa Rio Frio from PC World. Hi. And Susie Oaks from Macworld. Howdy. Here to do battle in the wondrous arena that is War of the Worlds. And uh, how was everybody's weekend? Great good sunshine yeah we got some sun for for the first time in a while that was pretty cool so yeah we're here on monday morning and uh getting ready to get right into it so let's go to the game so our first prompts today uh apple joined google microsoft facebook amazon and ibm in the partnership for ai group uh so they're basically going to be working together to develop some policies and procedures for working on ai uh two questions off of this uh, we'll start with Melissa actually today. Uh, you give me your best unified AI assistant name. So we've got Siri, Cortana, uh, and Google Assistant. Let's get a let's get a really good name in there, and then uh, tell me how successful these disparate companies will be at uh, coming together and, and making some policies for AI. Sixty seconds. Uh, I'm going to pick the name Godfrey because I think that the men need a chance to be uh, considered able to organize themselves and do something, not not let the women get all the yeah, credit. There you go. Uh, and do I think these companies are going to get along? Uh, I actually think it would be a great idea for them to have some basic idea of how this all works so that we can have interoperability. How much they're actually going to get along as far as telling each other what they're doing? Obviously, they're not going to do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to share secrets from uh, one to the other. It's not really going to happen. <laughs> Sounds good. Anything else? That's it. All right. I like it. Let's go 15,000 points for a succinct Ooh. and nobody's <laughs> going to get along. Uh, answer from Melissa. I like it. All right, Susie, same prompt to you. 60 seconds. Um, I think that Google uh, has the right idea with OK Google. And then I know Alexa just added computer Mm -hmm. as a target word, which I love because it's so Jean-Luc Picard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like both of those because they just leave gender out of it. They're not like you're talking to a man, you're talking to a woman, you're talking to your phone. Let's not (laughs) pretend. Um, And then as far as the partnership, yeah, I hope, I mean, all these companies clearly are going to have very different strategies for how they develop and implement AI because it's applicable to anything any company wants to do you can do so much with it but i think if it can come up with some best practices for sharing research um ethical concerns and privacy concerns that's where i'd love to see them focus oh great point about privacy i like that and did you have a name for your uh, unified ai assistant computer yeah I'm just, just call it computer? Yeah, computer all right i like that Fifteen thousand points there that's a great take privacy obviously a big deal with the internet of things and i think we'd all like to see interoperability uh, you know have alexa and cortana be able to have an actual conversation with godfrey and get some stuff figured out i think that would be great so uh excellent work guys moving on to number two so china is experimenting with using drones as part of their emergency response system. They're actually using them to get kind of bird's eye views of uh, the two use cases were, I think, an earthquake and a flood. But natural disaster is basically where the drones can provide vision that, you know, normal people wouldn't be able to just kind of walk in and get on the ground floor. Uh, They've had good success with being able to route emergency responders to the areas and also look for survivors after earthquakes using the drones. Now, obviously, in the United States, we have a really combative relationship between drone use and emergency responders because there have been a lot of problems with hobbyists you know occupying airspace that's needed for emergency responders uh do we think that the united states has a will ever use something like geofencing or any other opportunities or techniques like that to uh you know to allow for drone usage with emergency responders we'll start with susie 
Um, yeah, it would be cool if, you know, there were I mean, obviously just in with communication, there's kind of frequencies that are reserved for responders that regular people can't use. If they could do something like that with geofencing or with frequencies um, to block out areas around a disaster, I think that would be, you know, in the public interest um, and worth, you know, the hit on personal freedoms. Um, I'm really anti-drone, so <laughs> I'm in favor of like a lot of restrictions because the hobbyist drones are just annoying. They're looking in my backyard all the time. No me but um, yeah, so we've seen them be a nuisance in like forest fires mm-hmm. and they can't send the helicopters up. So something like that where it's going on, there's a really huge um, interest in shutting all down all the hobbyist drones. Um, and then with earthquakes and floods, it's more like afterwards. So that might be there might be sort of two different scenarios for like during a crisis and just after a crisis. They might have two sets of rules mm-hmm. there. But yeah, all the rules you want to slap on drone owners, I'm positive because they... <laughs> They need it. They don't have the common sense that you think that people should have. I'm going to give uh, 20,000 points for hating on hobbyist drone owners. I'm sure we're going to get some angry emails after this, but uh, that's what the show is all Bring about. Uh, we love, <laughs> Anger. Uh, yeah, we love getting our drone hobbyists angry for sure. Good Melissa, over to you. Okay. So first of all, our government is probably already using drones in ways that we don't know about. Let's just acknowledge that. Uh, Second of all, I'm totally with Susie that the idiots who have started using drones, you know, in random places in the United States are ruining a perfectly good technology for the rest of us. And I'm speaking as someone who used to build rockets and shoot them up in abandoned airfields, (laughs) not people's backyards. Okay. Um, and yes, so geofencing, all the geofencing, get them below an altitude and maybe, I don't know, duct tape the hands of the people who just can't resist mm-hmm. being stupid. Do we know has, I know a lot of it for the, uh, you know, for the hobbyists with the forest fires was trying to get, uh, footage essentially of the fire, you know, that is presumably they would want to sell the news service. I don't think anyone's actually bought any to my knowledge. Do you guys, have you guys heard anything about anyone actually successfully doing this because if it's also just a nuisance in general and dangerous and then if there's no point you know that seems to be the final nail in the coffin there have you guys heard anything well if i i had i mean i just assumed they were doing it for ridiculous reasons and not for any actual sensible reason i mean obviously as the chinese are showing drones can be very important in letting you get a bird's eye view of what's mm-hmm. going on uh do i want an idiot to make a profit off of it no yeah Totally fair. More drone hatred. I like it. 20,000 points to both sides for hating on the hobbyist droners. Again, uh, Melissa's email, I think, is on PCWorld.com and Susie's (laughs) is on MacWorld.com. So feel free to email them about uh, your drone love. Uh, Maybe if you invite me over and let me play with your drone, I'll come around, but probably not. I saw the drone delivering beer and drone uh, dropping footballs at the NFL Pro Bowl uh, skills challenge this weekend. So, you know, that's maybe more... Backyard hijinks and shenanigans might be uh, okay if they're if you're invited. I don't mind the smart drone users. Yeah, I got my uncle a drone for Christmas. Nice. So so a little bit of waffling here in the hate. I like that. <laughs> we know who is able to use the drones, but uh, so once again, feel free to email Melissa. And <laughs> All right. Well, number four here, moving right along. I'm sorry, number three. Uh, Amazon channels. So they've expanded their offerings by 25 channels in the mm-hmm. last two months, from 75 to 100 channels, including HBO and Cinemax. Uh, kind of the two last premium channels to get on board with Amazon. Uh, but I think it's become really interesting, and there's a great article on TechHive right now from Jared Newman talking to, I think it was the vice president of content of Netflix. I Don't quote me on that. Um, I can't quite Amazon remember. Amazon Channel. Amazon, sorry. Yeah, of Amazon. Um, I read uh, the story. 
Excellent. <laughs> excellent. About how they're developing their streaming service and their, and their conceptualization. Uh, so minus sort of Amazon's independently curated channels, you get the same thing on Apple TV and Roku. Uh, who is going to be the first person to win the arms race of cord cutter services between the big people? And we'll start with uh, Susie on this one. I think if all the services can figure out, you know, how to find their niche and be profitable, I don't think there has to be like one winner. Um, but I am a cord cutter and I have tested all the boxes. Um, I mean, Roku's just selling hardware. They're not really selling any services. Um, but Amazon service. OK, so the channels, it's pretty cool if you're into Amazon's hardware. You really like their app. Their app is pretty great, even on iOS, although they don't have a, an app for the Apple TV. Um, but yeah, so if you, they don't save you any money. Mm. So the cord cutters are after savings and convenience and basically savings and convenience. Um, but so the Amazon th- channels, they don't save you money over just buying all the services are available separately for the same fees. So if you have a Roku or you have, you want to do a Chromecast or you rather do Apple TV, they're not saving you that much money. But if you like Amazon's ecosystem, the convenience factor just shoots through the roof. Um, Apple is working on it. They have their apps thing, but now they're trying to unify that under their TV app and then let you talk to Siri and find uh, Okay. I don't think one person has to win. I uh, think everyone just has to do the best for their customers. I like that. I like that. It's a great take. 20,000 points again over to Susie. She's killing it today. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, tough challenge. We had a song of unity from Susie. What have you got for us? I have the song of anti-ecosystems. I hate being tied to ecosystems. I won't be tied to anyone's ecosystem. Mm. I have a Windows PC and an iPhone, and we have cable at home. So... I'm not tying myself to anyone. I am probably going to go back to rabbit ears at some point mm-hmm. because to me, that's the only truly free TV. That's true. And uh, do you see a lot of the arguments for convenience, I think, are people using their subscriptions kind of as Susie alluded to through one system. So you only have one login. You only have to manage one you know, thing. Do you do subscribe to anything? Are you an Amazon Prime subscriber? Do you have any of that stuff going no, on? No, I hate Amazon. Nice. All right. So firm stance. I'm going to have to go 20,000 points again. We like got great takes from both sides here. So uh, all knotted up at 55,000. It's uh, it's a definitely a, a barn burner today. It's not a pitcher's duel. It's because in, uh, Steph Curry has the flu. That's right. <laughs> so somebody had to step up and hit those big shots. Exactly. I like it. I like it. So, uh, But moving into number four, a uh, question about broadband as part of an integrated uh or really core part of our infrastructure here in the United States. So the, uh, I think it's called connect America, but the federal government has basically, uh, allocated $170 million to, uh, bringing broadband to rural New York state in the interest of narrowing what they're calling the digital divide, which is premise that high speed internet is available in metropolitan and urban areas, but not so much in rural areas for, for many reasons, including, you know, sort of the distance of cable runs and things like that. Um, you know, it's a lot of money uh, uh, to kind of bring what I think some people would see as a luxury service. Uh, but have we reached a point where high speed internet, not just internet, but high speed internet is a core infrastructure like electricity or water is? And Melissa, we'll start with you. Um, I remember very distinctly driving through Ontario, most of which is wheat fields and not having a cell signal for most of mm. that and reading that, you know, all these people in these in these you know, rural, they they don't have cell phones because there's no cell service. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a revelation for this urban child that I am. Um, 
I do think that broadband is something that everyone should have because um, technology has just advanced to the point. I mean, it's very difficult to live in this world without it. However, I really think the government should think very carefully about what they're doing, because if they actually nurture an informed populace, that could really affect their results in the next election. All right. Slightly political take from Melissa there, uh, but I like the uh, the sentiment. 15,000 points. And Susie, what have you got for us about core infrastructure? Um, I mean, I'm definitely in favor of expanding broadband and trying to gap the digital divide, but I wouldn't go so far as to say it's on par with stuff like water and electricity because those make like a habitable home. And if you don't have water, you don't have electricity, you can stop paying your rent. Like it's crisis time. Your landlord is afoul of the law. Big deal. Internet isn't quite there yet. But I mean, my husband works for a firm that manages low income housing around the Bay Area and all through California. And they've gotten grants to, you know, expand Wi-Fi and get Chromebooks to people who live in those communities. And it's really he's, you know, seen the benefits of programs like that. So I I am in favor of spreading broadband as far as we can get it, whether that's through cellular service, um, more hookups, bringing fiber to more places. That's not really a rural solution yet. But yeah, put it out there, but you know we have a ways to go before it's like water. <laughs> it feels like that to us, though. Yeah, I think if you're used to it, it definitely can feel like perhaps as important as electricity or water. But it, obviously, it's not a real life-threatening issue if you don't have it. Certainly, a lot of interest on the corporate level in, in spreading internet. You see companies like Facebook with their uh, was it Ultralight, I think, program that for spreading Wi-Fi. Just really interesting stuff happening. But so certainly, the belief is there that even if it's not to the level of water electricity it's important so uh yeah great take let's go twenty thousand points to uh to Susie there i'm gonna let her get in the lead uh good looking stuff so our last prompt before we get to the final round is about pc sales so overall pc sales have decreased now report came out about 10 days ago uh for five years in a row so a number of thoughts on why that might be but i'm curious as tech writers for your insights in this and we'll start with Susie. okay so who buys pcs you got individuals i think those probably maybe the smallest thing and with your pc isn't your only device anymore it's kind of supplemented with other things so i think you can sort of extend the cycle of you know how long you wait between upgrades and also i feel like people are buying more quality stuff now your pcs aren't just your plastic crappy like gateway things anymore so so maybe that helps you you know eke out a little more time um you got schools they're you know they're being served by tablets and chromebooks they're still buying pcs but you know they're probably buying less i would i could see that and then businesses um they're probably on the same thing they want cost savings um and a lot you can do a lot more with tablets now that you and they're sort of taking over some stuff you used to do on a clipboard and some stuff you used to do on a PC. Um, IBM switched from PCs to Macs. We had a story in October of last fall. Um, They're saving $273 to $543 per Mac over the four-year life cycle. So, I mean, Mac sales are actually going up as PC sales are going down. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Nice uh, partisan take from Susie. I like that. I'm serving up facts. (laughs) Just facts. Facts 15,000 points for just the facts. Uh, I do think just to be clear that uh, Gardner report that we're referring to uh, actually lumped Mac into the Yeah, it's the whole market, right? But you're saying Macs are the only segment of that market that is growing as the entire market shrinks. Facts are still growing. (laughs) (laughs) They're still doing well, but I just wanted to highlight that to the viewers and listeners that it is uh, the whole industry is on its way down. We're not just talking about individual uh, sell, sellers, uh, sellers, retailers, or whatever. Uh, Melissa, your 60 seconds. What have you got for us? 
All right. So as the executive editor of PC World, I do have a few views about this. Um, it is undeniable that PC sales are going down. But I think what's going to happen to PCs is what's also probably going to happen to books and even cars is that um, the the real PCs that can do real work are going to uh, go to real people. And there are a lot of other people who can use phones and tablets to do a lot of things. And I think that those devices need due credit for having the power to do all these things that we used to have to be stuck at a box to do. But meanwhile, uh, gaming PCs are a growth area and on the Windows platform specifically advances they have in touch interfaces, VR, AR, mixed reality, I think are opening up new avenues for PC growth that the smartphones are just going to take years to catch up Mm -hmm. to. Yeah, well, we did see the first, I think, official sale of the quantum computer. I believe that was re, uh, reported on PC World as well. Yes, D-Square. Yep, D-Square's $15 million uh, quantum computer sold. So there's an interesting, uh, do you think it is really the, I'll ask both of you guys this question, do you think it's a divide between sort of the the higher end, as as Susie was alluding to, you know, that we don't buy, you know, casual low powered boxes anymore it's really that we're buying more future proof boxes that are that just are more expensive but overall sales therefore are down because instead of buying two three hundred dollar machines you're buying one five hundred dollar machine i think that is where the market is going certainly chromebooks and tablets have taken away a lot of the low end yeah and Apple kind of showed that you know, that's how you make the money is selling the high end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was like, oh, Apple has to come out with a Chromebook. They're going to get killed by all these Chromebooks. And they were like, no, we're just fine selling our high margin, nice aluminum Macs to people <laughs> who want them. And if you want a Chromebook, go buy a Chromebook. So, you know, I like having a lot of choice in devices. It's not even just like, oh, Dell or Gateway or Mac or, you know, now you can really spread out and say, yeah, for a lot of people like that box on the desk is just going to start growing cobwebs because they don't need to replace it as much much as they used to. Yeah, there's a lot of granularity. I got to say, I'm, I mean, I'm a pretty avid PC guy and I haven't started up my desktop now in probably about five months. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would say you're definitely seeing that level of interest decrease. Mm. So, man, that was great. Uh, whew. What do I go? What do I do there? I guess, you know what? Let's go 20,000 points. Let's bring everybody even. That was a great take uh, into an exciting final round. Okay. So, as you know, the final round is a surprise for our contestants. They don't actually know what's going to what's going to be asked of them uh, going into it. So today we have a very interesting challenge. Uh, I'm going to call it the emoji challenge. And I would like both of you to compose in emojis uh, the iPhone 8 uh, launch announcement in emojis. And you will have 60 seconds uh, to do that starting right now. We have to oh, we can go a little Adam. soft on that. We have to uh, text Adam. Yeah, and please text uh, our producer, Adam, okay. for okay. posterity. Uh-oh. Here we go. And we'll just insert the Jeopardy, final Jeopardy music in here for uh, info. <laughs> this is the type of challenge where I really oh, think God. War of the Worlds has a future as a podcast because people love listening to people type on phones. I it's can't just one find of those my things. emoji. What? How can you hear someone typing on a touch screen? You can't. Tap, 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 tap. I'm going to give Melissa a little bit of grace period because she actually couldn't I get her uh, emoji keyboard up quite fast enough. I mean, there is a time limit involved. Yep. We'll, we'll okay, definitely leave a time gonna, limit. I'm just going to throw in some. I'm going to give Melissa an extra 10 okay. seconds after we type. There, I'm done. Oh, she's done. All right. We didn't even need it. Four, <laughs> three, two, one. Woo! Air high five. Great job, guys. All right. Who would like to go first? Uh, I'll go first. All right, Melissa. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why the hell not? Hand it over. Let's take a okay. look. So we've got, uh, and now you will get a chance to explain, of course. So we've Uh-oh. got uh, telephone volcano, rocket ship, bird, eight ball popcorn, uh, French fries. French fries. French fries. All right, go ahead. Let's hear it. I have to translate. tell you what I meant. Yeah, translate. <laughs> okay. So this is a phone that's going to blow away the competition Ooh. and the sails are going to shoot up into the sky. Uh, and <laughs> then uh, in my fantasy world... See, that wasn't supposed to be a bird. I thought that was a bow and arrow. Sure. In my fantasy world, uh, Microsoft is going to shoot a widow bow and arrow <laughs> up to the iPhone and actually put out a decent Windows phone oh. because they're really behind the eight ball on that <laughs> otherwise. And I haven't had my breakfast, so I'm really hungry. French fries. Nice. That was pretty good. So the final round is winner take all. So we're going to wait for Susie's, uh, Susie's headline before we make a determination. But that was pretty strong. Apple announcement days make me really hungry, so <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say that the French fries were a really good addition. French fries was a good. Um, all right. So, so I actually attend all these keynotes. So I sort of uh, focused on the cycle of that day, which so, OK, we start with snarky face. There's always a lot of snark mm. before them. Then we have very neutral face. I'm going in there. I got my game face on. I'm ready to live blog the crap out of this new phone. And then uh, what do we do then? another neutral face they're talking and then there's lots there's there's a uh, with the kitty cat because they're always like and here's our stuff and it's so amazing and they try to make you think they invented the playlist or just whatever <laughs> it's ridiculous so the the cat is very shocked at everything that's happening there's a lot of applause so they bring in a lot of like friends and family and mm-hmm. employees to do all the applause sometimes when you're live blogging if you stop and you get sucked in and you feel yourself clapping you're like no no don't clap so that's represented here and then we also have the phone emoji just to be literal followed by four red exclamation points two of them are yay this phone's awesome two of them are oh so much hype apple's doomed so we've covered the whole (laughs) myriad rainbow of feelings and the whole cycle of how an apple event day goes i gotta say i think if joseph conrad wrote a book about telling a story through emoji he might have to use that story Uh, that was (laughs) definitely the hero's journey melissa really strong uh i like how she got interpretive with it it was very interpretive (laughs) i would you know man you know the real i think i gotta go with Susie on this one that was a really uh strong well, and she would be the expert yeah she we it was slanted slightly of course because we knew you were such a strong competitor melissa i didn't want her to feel at right, right. A disadvantage but all right so the final twenty thousand points goes to Susie. that makes Susie and MacWorld our winner of war of the worlds for today thank you guys both very much for participating it was a lot of fun and i uh, hope the rest of the week goes well Thank you guys for joining us, of course, on War of the Worlds. And uh, for Melissa Rio Frio and Susie Oaks, uh, I'm Tyler Larson, producer at IDG, and we'll see you next week. 